Welcome to the 58 West King Podcast. I am your host, Tony Cosentino. Today, I'm joined by my co-commish and co-host, Matt Graham. How you doing, Matt? Doing good, Ben. How are you doing? Doing well. Today, we're going to recap a joint best ball draft we just completed and answer some listener questions. Before we do, let's get into some manager on manager. So for my question, let's talk about what we do with $1 million. And everyone already knows the obvious answer two chicks at the same time, but yeah. where would the remaining funds be spent? So the remaining $37.14 would probably be spent on something. No, <laughs> it's crazy because like a million dollars doesn't seem like enough because of how big some of the lotteries have been over the last like five years. I remember there was the one that was like $800 million. And like, you know, it's like the daily conversation where like, what, what, what are you going to spend it on? And like there's like everybody at work talking about what they're going to spend that money on and like less than 10% of the people actually play. But with a million dollars, if I were to win a million dollars, I would, pay all my debt off, buy a home, and then invest the rest for my kids' futures. College, trade school. That's smart. Whatever they want to do. Whatever they want to do. Give them that option. Set them up for success uh, in their lives. Give them a head start. Yeah, for me, I already have, like, uh, with the military, you get the GI Bill, and you can pass it on to your kids. So I already did that. So their college is covered for the most part, at least two years for each of them. Got like a thrift savings plan going. So buy a house for us because we sold a couple years ago, but we'd rebuy, probably set my mom up with the house um, wherever she wanted to live, maybe closer to my brother who's on the East coast or closer to us. And then yeah, just invest the rest, whatever's left over um, and just let that grow for 20, 30 years until we retire. Yep. But pretty sensible, nothing crazy after the two chicks thing. But after, <laughs> <laughs> what's your question? We should get a discount because we're already married. So I think there's a discount that applies. All right. What do you got? Okay. Say, uh, so you get a call. It's the president of the United States. It's POTUS. We don't have to talk about which POTUS, but it's just a POTUS. Okay. Could be, you know, pick your favorite president from your favorite movie. Okay. Morgan Freeman president. I don't know. Anyway. So POTUS calls you, says, Tony, there's a situation and we need some, we need it to be discreet. And we need to be handled immediately. There's Russian terrorists involved. I need you to pick one person to go with you. Here are your options. Your options are John Wick, Ethan Hunt, or John McClane. Who are you choosing? Okay. I like the choices. They're good choices. Um, if I need to take some hired muscle, a bona fide certified killer with me, uh, what I'm going to have to do is take a look, look at some statistics and track records. So I know all these guys are qualified, but who's the best man for the job? Obviously, Supreme Leader Snoke isn't on this list, but he ordered the destruction of five planets in the Hosnian system. That's the type of guy I'm looking for. But with John McClane, his kill total, I did some research, is at 73. We also saw the death of his hairline throughout that series. So I'll, I'll bump that up to 74. The next one was a tough <laughs> one to find a solid number on, but consensus on people critically wounded by Ethan Hunt was at 75, so pretty solid again. Other Ethan Hunt statistics I came across included time spent running, so 12 minutes and four seconds there, time underwater, six minutes and 32 seconds, and my personal favorite, time spent dangling from a cord, 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Ethan has also been disavowed for three hours, 42 minutes and 29 seconds of that franchise in total. This one I'm gonna come back to here in a minute. The last guy on the list is John Wick, played by Keanu Reeves, a man I happen to share a birthday with, and he's responsible for almost 300 on-screen deaths in this trilogy. The biggest difference between these three guys is that John Wick is a hitman, paid to kill people, hence the higher kill total. John McClane is a detective who has killed an abnormal amount of people, considering his position, which someone should definitely look into that. And then the last is Ethan Hunt, who is a field operations agent involved in top secret espionage. So while we await the results of the investigation into John McClane's murderous professional record, I think I have only two choices here. I believe Ethan Hunt would be the most useful 
as this appears to be his specialty, but his team almost always finds itself disavowed for one reason or another. So it's just someone I can't rely on. Can't rely on him. I want to, but I can't. So the numbers don't lie. So I'm going to go with my birthday partner, Keanu Reeves, AKA John Wick. Final answer. All right. So John McClane is just, he's just a product of, of American police force. I mean, we don't have to get to the commentary on that, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, Someone needs to look into his track record. That's all I'm saying. I mean, there's a long list of track records that people need to look into. And this is just on that list. So for me, and I haven't done as much research as you. So kudos to you, my man. That's why you're in the champions league. And that's why I am not in the champions league. It's that kind of due diligence right there for me. It's Ethan Hunt, and here's why. Yeah, John Wick's probably the better better hitman. He's a better guy. He's going to kill some people. But Ethan Hunt, things get dicey. Things get hairy out there. He doesn't. Plan goes to shit. There's no one better at thinking on his feet, pulling a rabbit out of his ass, just saving the day. He is – we don't know how crazy this situation – what if you get there and you figure out there's a bomb hanging from a cord? Ethan Hunt's your guy. Now, I know I didn't throw that in in the uh, scenario, but you never know, man. You never know when you get out there what's going to happen. He spent a lot of time dangling from a cord, so I don't think John Wick has spent any time uh, in that area. So No. Also, Ethan Hunt like got younger as that series progressed. He did. That's just crazy. We're in Keanu Reeves in John Wick's just, you know, Boba Yeager's getting older, man. I don't know. He's been, he's been thrown off too many buildings for me. True. To he was, he was retired when the series started. So I gave you that. Yeah. All right. That was good. That was good. All right. So, um, next segment we're going to do. So you and me did a joint best ball draft a couple days ago. So, uh, real quick, let's talk about for our listeners. If you're not familiar with what best ball is, um, it's a variant on fantasy football where kind of it's less involved, usually higher, longer drafts, but what you do is you draft and forget. So, you draft a roster and obviously you fill in your starting positions, but you never alter that roster throughout the season. Your team will be set each week according to who scores the most points. So let's say you have two quarterbacks on your team, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. You start one, it doesn't matter who you start, you're, they're on your roster. Whoever scores the most points that week will be slotted into your starting role and so on and so forth. So it takes a lot of that guesswork that you normally do in the season like, oh man, do I play this guy against this matchup? Do I play this wide receiver against this matchup? You, you don't have to worry about that. It's kind of a fun thing to have a few of them outside of your normal leagues because again you can draft it and for the most part just kind of forget about it and then let it let it do its thing you know and when we talk about it too in best ball drafts you're looking for high upside guys um you want some stability obviously so that you don't get zeros but then you're also looking for some guys that can blow the tops off on weeks um so you don't you know you don't have to worry about planning for that matchup but you always have that you know that ace in your hole as it were to say um any comments you have on best ball i think you summed it up pretty well cool let's uh let's go ahead and take a look at the draft we had so what draft position do we select from we select from the 102 102 102. All right. And our first pick was Saquon Barkley. Yeah, we would have taken CMC, but he went one overall. I don't know if there's anything else you really need to talk about with this pick. He's a solid guy. I mean, obviously the floor is there, the upside's there. So it's first round went Christian McCaffrey. We took Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Devontae Adams, Kenyon Drake, and DeAndre Hopkins to round out the first round. Coming back around went Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Aaron Jones, Lamar Jackson, Josh Jacobs, Leonard Fournette, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and then we selected at the end of the second round, who? Travis Kelsey. Looking at the receivers available there, no players with that top two, basically floor in the number one tight end overall ceiling at the position. So we went with the tight end uh, in Travis Kelsey. We have a top two running back, and now we have a top tight end to a top two tight end to start the draft. So a clear edge on the rest of the rosters through two rounds. It's also is like I'm not necessarily a huge fan of being on either end of the spectrum with the draft, either at the very beginning or the very end, because of those crazy runs that can happen. But when it does come back towards 
towards that turn, you can kind of see what the person in front of you or after you has. And, you know, he already had a running back. So the chance of him taking two wide receivers weren't super, super high based on who was on the board. So, and we'll get into who we got next. So right after us went George Kittle. Um, and then that first team went back around, picked up Kenny Galladay. And then we selected Mike Evans. Talk to us about Mike Evans. Yeah. So after the turn, uh, the top running back available was Chubb. But without the receiving upside, it was tough to justify taking him over a guy like Mike Evans. Uh, plus, a lot of teams went two running backs in rounds one and two, if you look at who had been picked so far. So the wide receiver position was about to get depleted before coming back around. So we wanted to make sure we locked in a guy in our wide receiver one spot who has that um, that high floor for us. All right. Then went off the board, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, back-to-back Rams wide receivers. Interesting. And then Nick Chubb. So the team that took Nick Chubb drafted Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, and then Nick Chubb. So very interesting zero wide receiver strategy. Um, next off the board was Patrick Mahomes, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, Todd Gurley, Juju Smith-Schuster, David Johnson, and then Odell Beckham Jr. went at the end of the third round. Coming back in the fourth round, Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews, Amari Cooper, A.J. Green, Calvin Ridley, Chris Carson, Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Brown, Cortland Sutton, and then we took James Connor running back out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, didn't love the running back options here outside of Connor. Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, Le'Veon Bell. We wanted to ensure we paired Barkley with a guy who could be an RB1, and Connor has that upside if healthy and if Big Ben's healthy. I hate the ifs, but with everyone who was left, he, he gives you a pretty decent floor when playing with that receiving upside, and then he's the guy in Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously depends on his health, but like I said, when healthy, Connor's been fantastic. Yeah, and that's for me too. When I'm picking an RB2, I try to avoid timeshares whenever possible. It's not always the easiest thing to do based on where you're at in the draft, but you know, getting a guy in James Connor, regardless of what his you know pros and cons are, the biggest pro is that he's the guy, like you said. So um, that upside's there because there isn't timeshare. All right, right after him, um, the next team took Melvin Gordon, came back around, DJ Chark, and then we took scary Terry McLaurin, wide receiver. We talked about this one. We would have taken Chark if he was available, but Terry McLaurin, great option and has a higher floor than the guys who are available, like Tyler Lockett, Devontae Parker, T.Y. Hilton, Stephon Diggs, Marquise Brown. So first two receivers, Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, that is safe floors for both guys and very, very high ceilings. So I, I felt comfortable uh, with this pick. Agree. And, you know, and part of our consensus too, you look and we took that tight end in the second round, but we're still rounding out nice you know running back one wide receiver one on their respective teams um in our wide receiver one wide receiver two rb1 rb2 slots um, which is something i'm a huge proponent of all right next off the board went raheem mostert Le'Veon bell tyler lockett Devonte parker ty hilton dk metcalf stefan diggs james white marquise hollywood brown jonathan taylor to end out that round coming back julian edelman brandon cooks evan ingram deshaun jackson tyler boyd darren waller michael gallup marvin jones singletary cam Akers, and then we selected joshua callis <laughs> the joshua callis special Dak prescott yeah we missed out on grabbing a top two quarterback to pair with barkley and kelsey but Dak is arguably a top five and by taking him we lock in that top five players at at least three positions up to this point with two pretty good wide receivers yeah and Dak for me is uh, uh is the third best quarterback you know on my big board and on, in future episodes we'll go over those all those positions but I'm a big fan of his upside obviously he gives you the, a little bit of that rushing floor that those other two quarterbacks give you and then he also gives you three good wide receivers good arm offense that should let him throw the ball not a bad place to get him in round six especially since the other two quarterbacks went in the second all right right after us went Russell Wilson then Deontay Johnson coming back to us we took Kareem Hunt we've talked about him plenty so I don't think we have to go into Kareem Hunt uh, in too much 
Tail. Flex upside, and he's the handcuff for Nick Chubb. We'd have another running back one if something happened there. Uh, love the receiving upside, and then he should definitely get some work in what figures to be some type of committee. Nick Chubb's not going to get everything. He's also quintessential best ball guy. Super, super high ceiling if things break right for him. As your RB3 flex player, I mean, that's really kind of what you're looking for. Next off the board, Kyler Murray, Tyler Higby, Deshaun Watson, Mark Ingram, Will Fuller, Rob Gronkowski, Hunter Henry, Christian Kirk, Debo Samuel, DeAndre Swift to round out that round. Coming back around, quarterbacks start flying off the board. Josh Allen, Drew Brees, David Montgomery, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, Sterling Shepard, John Brown, Curtis Samuel, Matt Ryan, Anthony Miller, and we selected Darius Slayton. Yeah, this was 100% a best ball pick, and Slayton had a couple of monster games last season. I've mentioned them on a previous episode, but I'll mention them here again. 10 receptions for 121 and two touchdowns, and then another game of five receptions for 154 and two scores. And that's exactly what we're going after here is that giant ceiling. Roger, that's right after us went golden tape. It's almost like you go through the draft and almost every pick that we pick, the player behind us picked the exact same position, Mm -hmm. (laughs) except for like one or two rounds. Yeah. So golden tape went off the board right behind us and then coming back around Tariq Cohen. And then we took J.K. Dobbins running back out of Baltimore. So fourth running back for us with Ingram still the lead back in Baltimore. Dobbins won't offer any kind of safe floor in 2020. However, he should give us a handful of big plays and games that we can plug into this starting roster throughout the season. Definitely going to be impossible to predict, but they're going to happen. And with best ball, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, once you get past, like, obviously, you know, running back's a tough position. Once you get past the guys that are starting, you really just kind of take dart throws on what backup can possibly take over a starting role. And you can never really predict injury for the, you know, the starting running backs. Um, So go with talent, right? Let's pick guys that are explosive. Let's pick guys that have high upside um, that might be able to break in without an injury and then compound that with if an injury does occur, which is very possible at the running back position, you got like a stud, bona fide stud. So I love that we went that way there. Next off the board, Mike Williams, Keyshawn Vaughn, C.D. Lamb, Jamison Crowder, Ronald Jones II, Sony Michelle, Preston Williams, Jordan Howard, Damian Williams, and Darius the Juice Geis. Coming back around, Philip Lindsay, Tevin Coleman, Aaron Rodgers, Nikhil Harry, Matt Breida, Kerryon Johnson, Emmanuel Sanders, Robbie Anderson, Latavius Murray, Jerry Judy, and then we selected Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Walk us through this one. Yeah, Thielen should be the man in Minnesota, and no doubt Cook will get a ton of targets in the passing game. So you won't get much of a floor from Jefferson, I don't think. But when the Vikings look to throw, Jefferson has shown he can get it done in the slot, and Cousins is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. So just like Dobbins, you won't be able to predict breakout games, but with best ball, we don't have to again. Okay, next off the board went Alexander Madison, Jalen Rager, and then come back to us was Henry Ruggs III. Henry Ruggs, short passes, big yak plays, yards after catch. Uh, This was a match made in heaven for Derek Carr and Ruggs in Las Vegas, and the Raiders should look to show off their new Corvette early and often. 100% a high ceiling play. I I really love Henry Ruggs. Yeah, there's those those three uh, wide receivers there, Rager, Jefferson, and Ruggs, you know, those first round wide receivers. You know, we were kind of talking like, if we get two of the three, we're happy, and we got two of the three, which is what we were looking for. Uh, Next off the board, Mike Gesicki, Boston Scott, Dallas Goddard, Austin Hooper, Nicole Hardman, Michael Pittman Jr., Joshua Kelly, Marlon Mack, Zach Moss, Daryl Henderson to round out that round. Coming back around went Matthew Stafford, Brandon Ayuk, Daniel Jones, Duke Johnson, Antonio Gibson, Naheem Hines, Tony Pollard, Jalen Samuels, Hayden Hurst, Justin Jackson, and then we selected... Our second quarterback in Joe Burrow. So we've got Dak locked in, so Burrow will just help us fill in for that by a week at a minimum. But the Bengals will be bad in 2020, so we should get a couple of big games out of Burrow. Uh, Any production we get here is just a bonus. Yeah, and you look at his wide receivers. I mean, A.J. Green coming back. You got Higgins. You got Boyd. You got a lot of talent there. It's so much to where you're talking about drafting those wide receivers. 
receivers as possible, you know, number one wide receiver upside if someone gets injured. What that, you know, what that all equals out to is that Joe Burrow should have a lot of targets to throw to and should have to throw the ball a lot as because their defense is going to be garbage. So it should be high upside for us. Agreed. All right. Next off the board, Anthony McFarland Jr., Rashard Perryman, and then we selected Paris Campbell. Uh, didn't get a full season in 2019, but his senior year at the Ohio State, he grabbed 90 balls for 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. So he's able. The concern in Indy is that they'll be a run first offense and that Campbell is lower on the hierarchy there. So T.Y. isn't getting any younger and he's been battling through some injuries the last couple of seasons. So either way, this was just a flyer pick at this point in the draft. A little bit of upside if one of those guys goes down who are higher than him in the depth chart. Yep, absolutely. Next off the board, Chris Thompson, Cam Newton, Peyton Barber, Chase Edmonds, Sammy Watkins, Jared Cook, TJ Hawkinson, Alan Lazard, Ben Roethlisberger, and then Adrian Peterson. Coming back around, Alshon Jeffrey, T. Higgins, Noah Fance, LaVishka Chenault Jr., Baker Mayfield, Jack Doyle, Johnny Smith, Blake Jarwin, Darrington Evans, Gerald Everett, and then we selected our second tight end in... Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron. He didn't have a good year in Indy in 2019, but few did given the shakeup at quarterback. In 2018, though, he had 66 catches for 750 yards and 13 touchdowns. Another guy who is capable. We have Kelsey, so again, not a guy we're relying on. And any weeks that we get out of Ebron here are going to be a bonus. He gives you that touchdown upside, which is huge in this type of format. In the 14th round, why the hell not? Last pick of the draft was Jared Goff, quarterback out of Los Angeles. All right, so um, overall, let's go over our, our roster here. And again, I'll just read through the names because, again, starting, sitting, really not pertinent in the best ball format. So Saquon Barkley, Travis Kelsey, Mike Evans, James Conner, Terry McLaurin, Dak Prescott, Kareem Hunt, Darius Slayton, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs III, Joe Burrow, Paris Campbell, and Eric Ebron. Yeah, so good mix of some floor players and then some some ceiling players, which is exactly what you want to do in a best ball format. Yeah, I was satisfied with the draft. It was a lot of fun to go through that, and we seem to get consensus on a lot of those guys pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, we were, you know, doing some of it on the phone, some of the attacks and it kind of flew so we were we were on the same page before we uh, rip open into this mailbag let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor All right, welcome back. So what we're going to do here is answer some questions. Uh, Our first question was sent in by LadiesManCallus69. Interesting username there. Callus asks, what first round rookie receiver will have the biggest fantasy impact? Okay, so we know what he wants us to answer. As a Cowboy fan, he wants us to say C.D. Lamb. He does. C.D. Lamb is the third wide receiver on the depth chart, so I do not think it'll be him. I kind of go back and forth. I think it's going to either be Ruggs or Rager um, based on the opportunity in that offense. Probably Ruggs, though. He's going to probably be the number one wide receiver from a target share standpoint. So that's kind of who I think is going to have the biggest impact. If Deshaun Jackson gets hurt, they find him. They didn't get rid of him from his anti-Semitic comments, so he's still on the team. But Jeffrey's going to start on the pup if Jackson gets hurt, which he's likely to do. Then Rager also shows that opportunity in that offense to be have the biggest impact as a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, so there were six receivers taken in the first round. So Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, Rager, Jefferson, and Ayuk uh, to San Francisco. I'll start from the bottom of my list. I believe Ayuk and Judy are on teams where there are a lot of mouths to feed with run-heavy schemes. San Francisco and Denver ranked number one and nine, respectively, in terms of plays that were runs in 2019, and both Shanahan and Fangio will want to pound the rock again in 2020. Lamb is also in a crowded receiver corpse, but with the departure of Cobb and Witten, there should be some targets that go his way. There's a new coach there in Mike McCarthy, but Kellen Moore stayed behind as the OC, so they will at least have that continuity. After Lamb, 
Jefferson and Rager should get decent volumes with Stephon Diggs out in Minnesota. And then again, like you mentioned, Elshon Jeffrey, likely not starting the year on the active roster in Philly. Still volume for those two. Uh, will be limited, though, as they walk in as the third options at best. So that leaves us with Henry Ruggs, drafted number 12 overall. Gruden will get Ruggs involved, and he excels at what Derek Carr does best. So those short to intermediate passes. Henry Ruggs averaged 17 yards per catch and gained 56% of that of those yards after the catch at Alabama. So not the Tyreek Hill downfield guy that I think a lot of people are thinking he is just because that 4-2 speed. Uh, Derek Carr has lived in the 7-8 yards per pass attempt range, dating back to Fresno State. So couple that with Ruggs' uh, speed, and we should see a lot of the big plays that start close to the line of scrimmage this year from those guys. Uh, we are on the same page. Absolutely. And next question. So this next one was submitted by smooth down there. Another interesting <laughs> username. The smooth one asks, what are your thoughts on changing team names? Um, my thoughts are I do it fairly regularly. Um, I like, you know, and I think that there's something to be said for the banana stand, which has been the banana stand the entire time, which is a great pop culture reference from the late early 2000s. It's always money in the banana stand. Oh, always money in the banana stand. I, so I think, you know, I don't think you can go wrong having something like that or, you know, going with a quippy name that highlights one of the players on your team. I think there's fun in both. And so I'm, you know, I, I don't really lean one way or another. I can tell you that I usually go with a quippy name that highlights a team member on my team. And if it's Carson Wentz, Eagles player, then I'm going to go all for it. So. Yep. I don't, I don't really have any preference. Uh, people go one way or the other. I'm going to stick with the banana stand in our league, 58 West King. I assumed that this question was in reference to the Washington Redskins. Look, they haven't made it out of the divisional round of the playoffs since 1991. Their winning percentage in that span is 42%. Not good. Uh, this is a team that would benefit from starting fresh. And I can't think of a better team in the NFL to change their identity, except maybe the Cleveland Browns, which I'm beginning to find offensive as a very tan individual myself. There's like a meme that went around when he was last year. He was, he was learning football team names. Dad was teaching him. He said, Cleveland Browns, why are they named after poop? I was like, well, it's dogs. But I see the kid's point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, he followed that question up with, would you rather be buried or cremated? Uh, cremated. Okay. And then he asked, if cremated, where would you want your ashes to be spread? Into the Pacific Ocean. Gust of wind blows my ashes into the dude's beard. That would be my ultimate goal. Circa <laughs> the Big Lebowski. No, I'd probably <laughs> just somewhere in the house, somewhere nearby. Maybe in a liquor cabinet would be a good place for me next to the good whiskey. That'd probably be the best place for me. That's pretty good. I, I would just opt with buried, a place where like other family members are at. I don't know. I haven't really put much thought into that one. Maybe I'll come back to that one later. I don't know. All right. Our next question is from Inglorious Baz Turds. Mr. Turds asks, what new talents have you learned during COVID? COVID hasn't been that much different for me. I have learned during this time frame to be patient. I mean, I was pretty patient before. You really got to like up it to another level during this whole situation. And I don't just mean patience. I mean patience with people in general. Yeah. Like I, in my house, it's pretty cool. I, I get my family. I love them. So it's really easy to have patience for them. But having patience for my fellow man outside of the house has been something that I've had to really, really up my game with because it is it is a shit show out there. Yeah, it's it's not good. For me, uh, podcasting, interviewing, editing, and web development have been some things I've learned. All of this was something I had in the back of my mind as a project to undertake someday when I had some free time. So what did the quarantine give us? Just that a lot of new free time. Yeah, I can't wait till we get that Joe Rogan Spotify deal because your skills are on point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our final question comes from our league's 2019 runner-up, Albert Rivera, a.k.a. Otter Job. Alberto asks, 
if you were famous, what would you want to be known for? And he listed a couple examples, an athlete, politician, actor, musician, or Nobel Prize winning laureate. So when I first got to college, I was actually a political science major. So I think it'd be politician. And I think it would be known for being a good politician. And you know, that's such a oxymoron to say that given the current state of affairs. But um, I, it just, it's tough, man. It's tough seeing, you know, the higher up you get in the political sphere, the more likely you are to be susceptible to varying levels of shadiness. So I think I'd want to be known for being a you know popular politician, a famous politician, but more importantly, a good politician, someone that, who legitimately does things to try to help people. That's, I think, you know, for me, that's what I would think. That's admirable. That's admirable. I don't think there's many good politicians out there, so I'm not going to go that route because I'd probably end up as the next Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio, given my skin color, very tan yeah. again. Actors and musicians seem like they're all under an extreme amount of pressure, and I don't need that kind of stress in my life. Athletes, a possibility. I'd like to be rich along with being famous, and I don't think being a Nobel Prize winning laureate would do that for me. So I think I have to go athlete, but not like a football player or anything like that. I'd probably go with world champion table tennis player. China's had a stranglehold on the championship there for decades. So I'm not only doing this for myself, I'm doing it for my country. Yeah, you'd be the best best ping pong player since Forrest Gump, which should be very important to us. Absolutely. I can I try to convince my stepdaughter that that movie was a true story. She's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's, that's good. Please continue to support the show by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. You can also check out the 58 West King Fantasy Football website at 58wkfantasy.com. You'll find links to all of our social media there, a few well-written articles, league info, podcast updates, and a forum where you can leave messages for us or for anyone in the league. still has that new website smell on it, so make sure to check that out. Yeah, go get some brevity. Go get some brevity. Um, and thank you for being kind by saying they're well-written articles. I appreciate that. <laughs> they're not bad. They're good for me anyway. Kendall wrote some good ones, but that's good. Go check out the website, guys. Comment, subscribe, rate, all of the things that Tony just said. All right, Matt, this was a lot of fun. Hope you have a fantastic day, sir. I will. It's only up from here. Put a shirt on or something before you go out. Look at this. Ready for this? Look at this. Can you see? Yeah, the, the farmer. The farmer tan? Yeah, that's good. Look at, look at where my Fitbit is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you farting? What's going on back there? I do like your performance better when you're topless, so. <laughs>